welcome back to Breaking It Down with Brandy, Camille, and Katie. Yeah. And today we are so excited to have a fantastic casting director, actor, director, writer, production assistant, and teacher with us. With multiple features cast like Donner Pass, The Good Humor Man with Jason Siegel and Kelsey Grammer, Reap, which he co-wrote, directed, and won nice. seven Ooh. awards for, countless commercials including Swiffer, Sears, and Burger King, just to name a few, bookings and projects like Veep, and of course, helping the students become booking machines, Good Girls, The Rookie, Girl Meets World, and many more. He is truly a one-stop shop. He's been casting and teaching for over 20 years. He's an award-winning filmmaker and theater director with three films in the circuit last year. And he won the Encore Producer Prize four years in a row for the Hollywood Fringe Festival. He's been voted number one of the favorite casting directors and acting coaches in the Backstage Readers Poll. We are so pumped to introduce you to Chris Gaines. Yeah! Welcome, Chris. Fantastic, fantastic. <laughs> Thank I'll you. I'll tell you, the best thing about that is that you put production assistant. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm serious, because that's a PA, and I, yeah. I recommend that everybody should go yeah. through a PA period oh, of their yeah. life. It changes your whole life. You never want to go back to it. No. <laughs> it's a damn good place to start, so I love that. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much for taking the sure. time to be with us today. Um, Chris. Would you tell us and our listeners, what was your journey to becoming a casting director and the multitude of things that you've accomplished besides that? Okay. Uh, Great question. And by the way, this is such a good idea that you guys are doing. Thank you. Thank you. It's genius. Uh, Basically, what's funny about casting directing is it's the one thing that I accidentally took up. It's not Mm -hmm. everything I do. I pursued mm-hmm. uh, you know I, I intended to be a director and a writer and an actor but I never intended to be a casting director and what I tell people all the time is um, I didn't get a career I created a career Interesting. oh I like that so the so instead of instead of waiting around for other people to give me jobs I just never thought like that what what I did is as soon as I graduated from college moved up here immediately from Cal State Long Beach and in my first year out of school, I wrote my own play, produced it at Beyond Baroque right up the street here in mm-hmm. Venice, which used to be a place where like Charles Bukowski would read and um, like uh, Ferlinghetti and stuff like that. So I put up my own play. And then about, I guess it was two or three years later, I was a production assistant. And I wrote another play with my b- best friend, Mike Vias called uh, Halfway There. Uh, and uh, we wrote a play with a two-story set and 20 characters in it. And we wrote a, char- a play with 20 characters in it because we had 20 friends that wanted a job. <laughs> it's just that simple. Nice. So we set it in a halfway house because we were all drinking too much and doing too much drugs. So that seemed like a good location. And uh, in a suicide mission, I invited everybody who I worked for at the time. Like every producer, every director, every... Just everybody I worked for. Mm-hmm. And they all came wow. opening wow. night. And wow. I'm like, oh my God, what have I done? <laughs> and what's funny is the director who was probably the most persnickety and like the hardest to be around was the first one up in a wow. standing O. They, the whole audience leapt up in a standing O. And then when I reported to work on Monday, they kind of looked at me like, we didn't know you could do that. Yeah. And it's like I tell you guys all the time, you need to teach this town how to use you. Yeah. So they just started, this was the Kukaloris Films, and I was a PA there, and they started just handing me casting work. 
And then within like two years or so, I formed my own business, but they're the ones who handed me that job. I never expected to do it. Wow. Did your friends from that, the halfway house play, did they get other things too? Well, you know, what's funny about uh, that question is, is I always do this thing where I say one hand up the ladder, one hand down. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, As mm -hmm. you go up, you bring the next yes, person right, with you. Right. Uh, one of my favorites, Jack Lemon, has this great quote. He goes, uh, when you get to the top, send the elevator back down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Same principle. So when I got a job at Kukaloris, I got all my friends' jobs <laughs> at Kukaloris, and then they all started to go into, like one became a camera assistant, one went into locations, oh, wow. one went into, cool. you know, they, they all went into their different headings. And then as far as actors off of that, yeah, uh, certain people got agents mm-hmm. at the time off of that, that kind of thing. That's awesome. Nice. You know? Nice. Yeah, I mean, I think that essentially kind of covers that what made you want to be a mm-hmm. casting director. Yeah. You kind of, not necessarily fell into it, but you, you essentially kind of earned that yeah. sort of uh, status, right? I mean, by creating your own work. and I, I showed them that I was a director. And what's yeah. funny about the casting director job is is there are very few casting directors that direct anything. And I don't mean this uh, picking on casting directors. I mean this in that they wrote an article on me a couple years ago in Backstage West where they went looking for casting directors who direct, like right. direct movies, mm-hmm. direct theater, and they only found me in Los Angeles. I'm sure there's got to be more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they only covered me, and then they found two people in New York, and they don't direct any longer. Oh, you know wow. what I mean? So so they found out that I could direct, and then they, you know, used that for their purposes. Mm-hmm. And, so, and what's funny about the directing, too, is when I was in college, I was an acting major, and... Um, one of the things that happened in college is, is they, we just took, it was Cal State Long Beach and they let us take over the place. We practically mm-hmm. lived there. We practically didn't leave the building. By the time I left, I was like the president of the student body, you know? <laughs> yeah. And so we snuck into the prop rooms and like we just, we performed all the time. So once we got to Los Angeles, we were like, this is what we're used to. We're mm-hmm. used to creating our own product and then that's what we did. But an interesting thing is, is I think I was absolutely born to direct. But I had a teacher in Cal State Long Beach when I was in her acting class, and she goes, you're a director. Really? I go, what? I go, no, no, I'm too big of a ham. I need to be on stage. Mm-hmm. She goes, no, you're a director. And I wow. kept acting, and I never stopped. But I, I find it surprising that it took somebody else to tell me that. Mm-hmm. I'm sure I would have found it within the next two years of that moment. Mm-hmm. But since then, I've done this to multiple people in my life. I go, you got a director's brain. Mm-hmm. And I kind of push them mm-hmm. uh, in that direction. You know what I mean? It's a really interesting point you bring up, Chris, because um, we hear it all the time. Make your own projects. Mm-hmm. Make your own work. Right. Go do it. And you're the perfect example of that. And, and how many things, how many other um, aspects of this business that you can get experience in by creating mm-hmm. creating your own content, and your own work. fail. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Fail. Yeah. Like, you need to, f- like, make something to make the next one better. Mm-hmm. Like, so me and my friends formed the Elephant Theater Company. And it went for 20 years. You know, wow. the group theater went for 10. We went for 20. Right. And then it kind of dissolved in like us having babies and that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. But, um, you know, the fir- very first production we did was uh, three Sam Shepard plays. And, and I'm the one who came up with the name The Elephant Theater Company. <laughs> and it came from, I was reading a book about Sam Shepard. And he worked with this very uh, famous director, Jacques Levy. Mm-hmm. And... Um, he was writing a play called Operation Sidewinder, which is about a giant rattlesnake that comes from outer space. Okay. And back then they would do plays in like Cafe La Mama, Cafe Chino, really small places. And that made, gave me the idea of like, you can put up a play anywhere. Mm-hmm. So Sam turned to the director and goes, I don't know if I'll finish it. He goes, how are we going to put 
a giant rattlesnake from outer space on stage. And he goes, Sam, if you need an elephant, <laughs> we'll find a way to put an elephant on stage. So our first building was the Paps Blue Ribbon Brewery downtown. Yeah. So we had this big, oh, this big gray building that was elephant-like. And we just figured out a way to put the elephant on stage. And it was an insane time where some of the members of the company, four of the members of the company lived in the space. Oh, fun. They put the bedrooms and the bathroom in that place. <laughs> our, our light board and stage manager's booth was in a bedroom. And our first production was in the middle of summer in a room with no windows and no oh, air conditioning. Wow. And we had folding chairs and bean bags and clip lights and a lighting board with a bunch of switchers with like a, a ruler that you had to change <laughs> the things. We put ice blocks in front of fans and we just went for it. There you go. Well, and, awesome. and and so with each production, mm-hmm. like that production paid for some chairs and we bought right, some chairs right. and the next production mm-hmm. paid for some lights and then we just kept moving. Mm-hmm. I think what the problem in this town is everybody wants to move to the finest, mm-hmm. final yes. moment right mm-hmm. away. And when you and I always urge uh, actors, would you read about the actors you love? Because when I do, all I s- see in those books is pain, suffering, right. and failure. <laughs> right, yeah. right. And then eventually they get to that moment where, like, oh my God, that's fantastic. Yeah. You know, so yeah, that's awesome. So the next question, which mm-hmm. I'm super excited to ask you, is in your opinion, what makes a great audition? Um, that is a super great question. I, I think that I always say. If you're comfortable, we'll be comfortable. Mm-hmm. If you're not comfortable, we'll never get comfortable. Mm-hmm. Okay? Uh, I always say I'd rather see the person rather than perfect. Mm. If we see the essence of that person, we don't care how perfect you are. Mm-hmm. And, and I always like to back these things up with examples. Like you can go online and you can look at Aaron Paul booking Breaking right, Bad yeah. where he calls line. You know that thing you're never supposed yeah. to do <laughs> ever, yeah. Yeah. ever? And the other thing I, I don't, Deal in the world of what we're not supposed to do. Mm-hmm. You know? Like there's some good ideas. You shouldn't sway too much in your your shot and stuff like that. But what you guys got to understand is all casting directors don't meet on January 1st for lunch and go, okay, what are we allowing this year? Right, yeah. Are we allowing mime? Yeah. <laughs> are we allowing improv? What are we allowing? It's not like that. And if you notice, it's like anything. It's It's every casting office is... The face of whoever runs that office. And so I tell people all the time, especially now with every casting director you want to know about, somewhere online they've been interviewed. And in that interview, they're going to give away their prejudices, the Mm -hmm. things that they like, the things that they don't like. So it's on an office-to-office basis. Anybody that teaches you that all casting is this way is insane. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the things that comes up all the time is, should you be off book or not off book? Right. I've yet to meet a casting director that uh, thinks you should not be off book. Mm-hmm. I haven't met that casting director. Right. I've read about one or two, mm-hmm. but clearly there are anomalies if I've been doing it this long and I've only heard of one or two. Right. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants you off book. Don't let anybody... And there's too many teachers in this town that have never been casting directors that speak for casting directors. Mm-hmm. That, and, and a lot of them are just teaching what they heard in their class in the 80s or the 90s and not coming up with anything on their own. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, but I really wish that they would stop speaking for casting directors. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about actors having sides in their hands during audition? It doesn't matter. I, I don't know one person that cares whether you hold them, mm-hmm. but know that you don't have to hold right. them. Mm-hmm. And just as an actor, I booked Veep and I booked Young and the Restless not holding it. Mm-hmm. So I must be right. Right. <laughs> Isn't HBO still the top of the heap? Yeah. So if yeah. it works for HBO, 
I think that's going to work for everybody. Right. right. And if it doesn't work for everybody, well, my tribe's on HBO. <laughs> <laughs> I have the funnest question to ask. Sure, okay. You have the best stories. Mm-hmm. So can you share with us one of the <laughs> worst auditions as a casting director that you've seen? More like a horror story. Horror yeah, story. Just something that you, you just could I mean, it was supposed to be an audition, but something went wrong. Yeah. Or, right. Yeah. Right. Not too many horrible, um, not too many horrible um, uh, things that I sh- sh- uh, I'll just advise against. Yes, yeah, um, yeah, that's sure. perfect. Uh, follow the wardrobe spec. Sometimes when you don't, you might fly out of your wardrobe. Uh-huh. <laughs> there might be a wardrobe malfunction. Now I won't mention this name, and it's a student of mine that I absolutely adore, and she's. Cool enough that I could probably even give her name. I'll text her later and say I talked about her. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, she, she, we were doing a Swiffer commercial, and we gave this the the spec. It was kind of mom looking, and maybe like you know a cardigan and mm-hmm. a uh, you know button up or something like that, or a, 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 a crew neck or something. And she wore like this tunic dress, mm-hmm. like from Wonder Woman Island. And oh. when you lean over like this in your tunic <laughs> dress, we might see everything. And so her activity was to dust bending oh, over. My <laughs> so every second I'm like, cut, cut, cut. I'm like, and if if I didn't know her, I don't know if I would have cut. And because right. that's up to you. So yeah. like, right. you have your own back in that situation. Another one when I was casting Donner Pass. Uh, an actor punched a hole in my audition room, and I was like, "You Yikes. know nothing about what? filmmaking if you just did that." And I recommended to him, "I go, you need to read these books called Master Shots One, Two, and Three, <laughs> yes. and you'll understand how we did those fight sequences in Fight Club, and that we didn't actually punch anything." Yikes! So that wow. one, uh, wow. you've—I don't know if all of you've seen this. This isn't a horror story. This mm. is a fun one. Where in one a giant wrestler took his shirt off and then lifted yes. me up in the air, <laughs> my favorite. You know that's a great one. Horror stories that n- not with me that I've seen. Like I've seen other casting direct- other casting where you know the father's supposed to pick up the kid and he drops him. <gasps> oh, no. Stuff Yikes. like that. The um, one I heard someone did a the guy the casting director had asked him like, "Can you do a backflip?" And we as actors are always told yes, yes, yes to everything, and he said yes and he couldn't. And, and there's literally video of this I don't, man like landing. On I don't know who. Oh, no. I never say yes to. I was just gonna say I don't never. know who's teaching you to say yes never. to everything. That's the wrong idea. Yeah, man. I agree. You cannot do everything, and you're doing no. It's gonna. I cannot backflip. I'm right. not going to I attempt know. it. I know. I, I can't <laughs> backflip. Yeah, oh. I know that. Oh, yeah. oh holy cow. Um. So yeah, I mean, I guess we, we've kind of talked about the the horror stories. Uh, I guess mistakes that actors make in the audition room that you're like, I wish someone would tell people this. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, it's yeah, always as broad or specific. No, as... it's it's always the same. It's um, uh, listen. It's it, mm-hmm. it, it seems so simple, but almost every time um, you pull a casting director, they say what goes wrong in the room is they didn't. They're either they're not prepared enough, mm-hmm. or they didn't listen. And and I always say like. There's a reason why you're not listening. You're there with your effervescence and your <laughs> dance belt and your chapstick and you're just so happy to please. And so we 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 flatline. Mm-hmm. We're like sitting there smiling and like, oh my God, nothing went in that they just said. Yeah. Right. And what I always say is bookers slow down time. Mm-hmm. For the booker, that doesn't go by so fast. 
and a booker's not cashing their checks already. Right. You get a lot of actors are like, if I get this, then you can't ever think that way. Right. And then the other big thing in the room is I always say, if I buy that, if I buy that you're looking at what you're supposed to be looking at, like if I buy that I see in your eyes that you're you're actually looking at it, and if I buy that you're listening, I always say, feel free to make a mistake. Mm-hmm. Right. But if I don't buy either of those two things, very tough to win me back over. You know what I mean? And again, I'll just keep stressing, we don't need perfect. We need the person. The only time I ever try to get lines absolutely perfect is if the writer is the biggest name on the project. Like right. Aaron Sorkin. Yeah. yeah. Get all of his lines right. And, um, you know, when you get those scripts, you don't want to change them. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. But like... Uh, a horror film with not the biggest budget they need you more than you need them Mm -hmm. right you know what I mean Um, so uh, preparation 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 don't let anybody tell you that the best way to go in is to be less prepared and you know I get confronted with this a lot Um, a lot of people adopt like I use the Meisner technique right Mm. wonderful but you live in a time where you get to come after Adler and Meisner Mm -hmm. and Strasberg why not read them all and put it in your blender? Right. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. It's by any means necessary. Uh, Daniel Day-Lewis gets labeled as like the method, method actor. Mm, yeah. Okay. And I always float this idea. Okay. When he was preparing for uh, off camera for Gangs of New York, what he would do to amp himself up is he would do push-ups listening to Eminem on an iPad. <laughs> right. Because, of course, that's exactly what Bill the Butcher would do, right? <laughs> right. right. So, obviously, his method is mm-hmm. multiple methods. Right. right. Multiple right. methods. Right. Yeah. Right. So, uh, and the other thing I always I use the phrase, I like the phrase better, um, be off book rather than know your lines. Mm. Okay? Like, like earlier, somebody mm-hmm. had a script that the line was something like... Um, well, truthfully, and they said, well, actually, anything that's synonymous, right? don't worry about that. Right. You know what I mean? And, and by the way, when I practice things, I'll, I'll, I'll constantly, as an actor, constantly practice it, the script clean, and then I'll play with it, and mm-hmm. then back to clean, and then mm-hmm. I'll play with it. And what I'm trying to do there is, just like I'm doing right now, I don't know what I'm going to say next. Hopefully my synapses will just fire fast enough for them to, for that to happen. Right. Um, obviously it didn't right there. I, I had to play catch up, <laughs> but I want, when I'm being the actor, I want the full availability of my vocabulary and I'm making that decision in the moment. I'm going to go with what they wrote, but I had other things I could have said, just mm. like right now I have other things I could say. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Mm. You brought up a really good point too. You mentioned, uh, Meisner and Stella Adler. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really, I think important in how to... For actors to know who those people are. Absolutely. Yeah. You know. All modern, no matter how you slice it up, all modern acting starts with Stanislavski. Yep. All mm-hmm. three of those humans got to witness Stanislavski in the flesh. Mm-hmm. Um, they learned from Stanislavski and then, it, and then it filtered out through those three. And then it's, you know, through those three, it went to Uta Hagen right. and all the other yeah. teachers. And somehow it went through Brando and then (laughs) everything is is history. But uh, along those lines, there's so many great stories about people acting with each other using different techniques. Of course. Mm -hmm. So, for instance, um, I don't know if you guys know this, but Robert Duvall, uh, Dustin Hoffman, and Gene Hackman once lived together. They were once roommates, okay? And um, Hoffman was taking some classes with Strasberg at the time. Uh, Brando 
hated Strasbourg's guts. Mm-hmm. Hated his guts. Loved Stella. Lived with Stella for a mm-hmm. while. Okay, so he's a Stella uh, student. And uh, Duvall loved Meisner. Right. Couldn't stand Strasbourg. Right. So Duvall, uh, I once heard uh, Dustin Hoffman give the story. Duvall was making fun of Dustin Hoffman. He goes, why are you going to those Strasbourg <laughs> classes? All that uh, sense memory crap? He goes, Meisner, improv, improv, improv. The point I'm making is, in The Godfather, where Duvall gives one of the greatest performances of all time, mm-hmm. and Brando wins the award, they're using two te- different mm-hmm. techniques in a scene together. Right, right. And the other thing about Meisner, and I absolutely love Meisner, it's too often actors get caught up in this thing of like, oh, improv, be present in the moment. And they think that means, oh, I don't need to prepare as much. Right. That's bullshit. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. here's the example. I, like I always say, I like to back up what I'm saying. In Apocalypse Now, mm-hmm. Duvall gives another incredible <laughs> performance. You know, I love the smell of napalm in the morning. It smells like victory. <laughs> okay. And while he's doing that moment... There are explosions going on all around him. Mm-hmm. That is not a location where you're going to want to just leave it to the wind. No. <laughs> yeah. And he's so free in that scene. So the idea is, is the more prepared you are, right. the more loose you are to go in any direction. Right. Not the other way around. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying that I've never met people. They're the one percenters. There are anomalies in this business where you meet them and they're like, man, they're kind of always ready to go no mm-hmm. matter how. But... I've never met one of those people that can sustain a career. Hmm. Really? They're often so raw mm-hmm. that it screws with their life. And so I've never, I've met probably two or three of those people, but they didn't sustain their career, even though, even though they're two or three of the best actors I've ever met. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. So, wow. Yeah. So this is a fun one. If you... They've all been fun. Yeah. <laughs> so if you, as a casting writer, could cast anything, past, present, future, or genre, what would it be? Oh. God, that's a good question. That is a really good question. I'm going to answer it this way. Um, Quentin Tarantino once answered, like, if you were to be able to remake a movie, Mm -hmm, what would it mm -hmm. be? And they all expected him to pick, like, one of his favorites. Like, I would do The Dirty Dozen again. I would do The Magnificent Seven again or something like that. And he went in a different direction. He goes, I would do that movie Hero with Dustin Hoffman and Chevy Chase. He goes... I don't think that they... And Katie's looking at me like, what movie is that? <laughs> Pretty big movie. Okay. And, and it's about a plane crash and Dustin Hoffman is an accidental hero right. kind of a thing. Uh, like he wasn't in the crash. I can't remember the plot. But okay. Quentin thought it was a great concept that they didn't really mm-hmm. achieve very well. So <laughs> I think my answer would be this. Um, uh, Godfather 3. Huh. Be- I agree, I agree uh-huh. with that. Right? Because there was a bunch thing. of accidents yeah. and stupid decisions that happened with mm-hmm. Godfather 3. Number one, Winona Ryder was supposed to play um, Sophia Coppola's role. Mm-hmm. Got sick. She was dating Johnny Depp and Johnny Depp made the call like, she can't do this, man. <laughs> and then they used Sophia Coppola. And mm-hmm. think about this, man. I don't think that I've ever seen an artist be more vilified ever in the history of filmmaking than Sofia Coppola was in that performance. Right. She was so... Mm-hmm. In fact, the only other time that I, I've ever heard of this happening is uh, Angelica Houston, who was John Houston's daughter. So mm-hmm. it's the same situation. Mm-hmm. In right. her first performance, everybody's like, oh my God, that's terrible. The reason why I bring that up is 
look at how well Sofia Coppola is doing now. Yeah, she has a better career than her father has now, and Angelica, Angelica's career ended up being a storied fifty-year yeah, career, sixty-year mm-hmm. career. Uh, so Godfather Three, uh, we make a better replacement for Winona. Yeah. Uh, God damn, get George Hamilton out of that cast. What the <laughs> fuck do you, are you in the, I don't know if you're allowed to say that. You are. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. And then, uh, and then they didn't rehire Duvall. Yeah. yeah. So taking another crack at that film to let it. That's a good one. That, so that's my answer. That's, so that's one of the best questions. That's a great answer. Asked. That's yeah. a good one. Yeah. That's a great answer. Chris. Yeah. When you are not wearing your multitude of hats, what do you like to do in your free time? What are your hobbies or what are you passionate about outside of industry. your industry life? Okay, that's a, a great question. Uh, one of the most important things about being an actor is you got to have a life. Mm-hmm. You have to have a life. You have to book out. Yes. Be okay with booking out. Plus, if you want an audition, leave town. You'll get an audition. Right. That's <laughs> uh, true. But I always say that the three things I was absolutely born to do are parent, teach, and cook. Nice. Everything else is a hobby. Those yeah. are the three things I was born to do. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I was born to do them is um, you can't rattle me with those things. You can't throw me. Like, like I'm never nervous when I'm cooking, teaching, or parenting. Like, there's no, uh-oh, do I have this at all? And then uh, what fills up my time, I love uh, traveling with my daughter, uh, making her laugh, uh, uh, taking walks. And then I'm a long-distance runner. Yes. I, I didn't take it up until my 40s, and I've now been doing it for eight years straight. I run about 35 to 50 miles a week. Nice. I can't believe that I found this superpower in my 40s. Like, yeah. I was the guy who, I, I had never run more than two miles before in my life. And, and don't you run without shoes? And I read Which a book called insane. Born to Run, yes. and there was a character in there named Barefoot Ted, Ted that it's runs barefoot. And so the first time I tried barefoot running, I was two miles into a run, which is normally when I would stop. I took my shoes off, and that day I ran seven miles. Wow. Like I had swallowed a magic drug or something. Wow. I can't, really? even today, um, I can't believe that I have the skill. And so now I've run five marathons barefoot with no shoes on my feet whatsoever. That's Do you awesome. wear those, those sock things? I wear the, the, the Vibrant Finger Shoes. They're called uh, mm. uh, uh, Vibrant Finger Shoes. I wear those when it's too cold, too hot, mm. or at night. Mm, uh, and sense. so right now we're in, uh, I just started my barefoot running for the year uh, on Friday. So now we're into the, uh, I'll probably be running barefoot most of the time until November. That's awesome. Unless, um, That's and, awesome. unless it's like a really hot day or, uh, um, uh, or at nighttime. Yeah. I have a follow-up question. Mm-hmm. Um, so you mentioned cooking. Mm-hmm. Do you have a specific... Signature dish? Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, many, many. Uh, when I began... Uh, I've always cooked. I, I can't remember not cooking uh, from like concretely from like seven on. I did a lot of cooking for the family. We had five kids. Uh, my first signature dish was um, uh, this turkey dish that I put hollandaise sauce on, and then I got really good at doing sauces early mm. on. Uh, I did coco van really well. Oh, and nice. now um, most of the things I cook are much simpler because I'm a pescatarian. So mm-hmm. I like um, uh, I make this. Uh, ah, ahi tuna or um, salmon where I'll get like sushi grade uh, mm-hmm. fish and then I'll just sear it on one side because you can already cut right into it right. like sushi. So right. I'll sear it on one side and I make that with uh, a vinaigrette uh, sauce that's really thick ah. and then I serve it with a, a pink um, uh, beet foam. 
Wow. <laughs> wow. And, I, and I brush it onto the plate. That sounds and, so and, good. And, 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 and I'll tell you, like, uh, I told so we're my... we're going to have him cook his food. Oh, I know. I'm like, we're coming I'll over. I'll do that podcast. Like, I'll do that podcast. We're coming over drinks. this weekend. Oh and I, I, I told my daughter when she was really young two things I said to her. I go, we will always park at the farthest parking spot. Mm. Always. And I just made her a walker. Like, when we go to, like, last time we were in Manhattan, we, one day we walked 16 miles. Wow. When we were in Boston, we did seven miles one day, eight miles another day, nine miles another day. And then I'll go running another five or six miles when she's <laughs> right. asleep. Mm-hmm. Um, so I said that, and I said to her, I go, everything can be art. Yeah. Everything. I like that. So if I make her just a little French toast, like, I I, I, I make it, like, a put <laughs> nice. sugar around, like, like yeah. art. Like, everything can be Art, everything, everything, you know. It makes it more fun to eat, yeah. too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's true. Exactly. So, okay, we've come to rapid fire. Okay. Woo! And I'm going to give you your first one. What is your biggest pet peeve in casting? Um, uh, I have absolutely no toleration, uh, uh, no tolerance, no toleration, no tolerance <laughs> for um, not being prepared. Mm-hmm. Uh, it hurts my soul. You know, uh, go to bed later. Get up earlier. Mm-hmm. What the hell are you thinking? And and everything we do in acting is in short spurts. Get used to it. Right. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, if I put out a breakdown for something that's got real money, I'll get two to 5,000 submissions within the first hour or two. Mm-hmm. So that's your competition. Right. Mm-hmm. So prepare like that's your mm-hmm. competition. Can you just clarify for some of the listeners that might be new to the business what you mean by be prepared? Yes. Um, okay, so uh, every single solitary time I go in, I always, always get coached. I've been teaching for over 20 years and I get coached mm-hmm. every time. So every time I go in for something, there's usually at least an hour of concrete, uninterrupted work before I meet that coach and a full hour with mm-hmm. that coach. Um, and uh, what, what was the other part of the uh, um, what you, Just what you mean by being prepared. Oh, and then people. I guess the other thing is is um, I warm up every single solitary time mm-hmm. I act. Right. I don't see the others do that. Right. It's, it, it's, it seems like it's exceptionally rare, especially in film. I watch theater actors, about 50% of them, yeah. Warm up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember but, our friend Brendan does that. Brendan yeah, always yeah. is like doing his little like yoga poses. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll warm up before <laughs> I leave the house, and then I'll warm up while I drive to the location. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I always do this thing, the it's like a building the spine exercise. As soon as I get out of my car, I'll do the building the spine exercise, and then you go in with this like refreshed, casual feeling rather than. Right, being you know, slouched over, you yeah. just kind of straighten yeah. your spine, yeah. so, get your so, posture nice so and straight. So pre- yeah. I, I prepare every time. That's or, great. Or do uh, exercises. Uh, how about advice to actors out there, whether as specific or general as you want to be with that? Uh, kind of like what I said earlier, uh, uh, create your career, don't go looking for one. I always say chase your tribe. Um, and you can mm-hmm. chase your tribe by looking everybody you work with up and seeing where there's cross pollination. Like, mm-hmm. um, you guys kind of geeked out on the food thing. There are foodie <laughs> people. There are people that are into the Simpsons, people that are into comic books, people that are into running, you know, and, and anytime those topics that you're into cross pollinate, you're like, Oh yeah, we're, we're brethren. Mm-hmm. And then when, um, <laughs> <We're brethren. laughs> uh, um, uh, I was once told that, uh, when you go into an audition, don't ever want it. 
Mm. Yeah, and that's I, hard, but yeah. yeah. Well, it, it's it's not hard. The way I live my life, see, I'm always in the midst of multiple projects. So right mm-hmm. now, I'm cutting a film, cutting something I shot Friday. I'm uh, directing a play that goes up in the fringe. I'm starting two new projects. So I'm never like, oh, what am I going to do next? It's always, which one am I going to gotcha. do next? Yeah. So when I go into the audition... I go all into that, so I have so much fun in the audition that I almost forget, like, oh, yeah, they might pay me for this, too. <laughs> so I think that, that the, the secret to it is, is since I'm constantly getting my artistic rocks off, yes. mm-hmm. yeah. I don't look for the bookings to do that. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, then, and then the things that I create keep in, uh, informing and lubricating mm-hmm. getting in those rooms. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. I think one of the best tips that you ever gave me personally um, was to put myself on film yes. before yes. I auditioned. Yeah, I was about to say that beforehand. And because I, I don't think I ever realized how many little things that I do on film when I'm auditioning that I don't like the way it looks. Mm-hmm. And I don't even realize that I'm doing And not only that you do, we all do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We all do the same, like, five to ten. Like, some people are head tilters. Some people are uh, mm-hmm. uh, weight shifters. Some right. people are swayers. In the, and... What I always tell people all the time, like, yeah, you need me as an acting coach. What you do not need me for is to get rid of the things that you think look dumb. Right. Okay? So get rid of those first before I come along. And think about it this way. Every artistic discipline does it every day. Mm-hmm. Keith Richards slept with his guitar. You know, writers write every day in the morning or in late at night or whatever. And actors sit around waiting for jobs. Yeah. yeah. And now we all own cameras that we put in mm-hmm. our pockets. Right. It's not as scary. Too, so why are we not putting ourselves on camera every single day? I say it's like seven minute abs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What if you put yourself on camera seven minutes a day? Right. Number one, I bet it would turn into 10 and then 15 and then 20. And then you'd like it so much that you would do it all the time. Yeah. But how do you think you're going to become expert in anything? Like mm-hmm. Malcolm Gladwell says, 10,000 hours. Yeah. The Beatles are not this anomaly that dropped from outer space. There are a bunch of young kids that were poor that went to Hamburg, Germany for nearly two years and played six to eight hours every day. Yeah. Can you imagine if you did this six to yeah. eight hours every day for nearly two years straight? Yeah. And luckily, I've created this life where mm-hmm. you know when you guys arrived... One student's leaving, and when you guys leave, another student's going to be coming here. At the end of today, I will have done my craft for 10 hours. I mean... I, I tell I tell myself all the time like like um, I do these talkbacks every now and again where I'll invite actors that you guys would think they've made it. Yeah. Like I, I'll have like Amir Talay who's uh, one of the leads on L.A. to Vegas, mm-hmm. and uh, Camden Singer. Hello to you guys, uh, <laughs> Camden, whose books uh, last I checked with her, I think she booked like 130 commercials in 10 years. Wow. And I'll get them on stage, and uh, in that night, somebody will always ask, um, mm-hmm. "Have you made it?" And they always say no. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, another student, Vera Cherney, she's on her, uh, she did five years on The Americans. Uh, she was on Startup and now she's on Counterpart. If you ask her, she'll tell you she hasn't made right. it. Right. So what I tell myself all the time is if I were to show the 17-year-old me my life, mm. he'd go, you totally made it. Because <laughs> yeah. yeah. I imagined a life where I practically lived in 
studios and and theaters, and mm-hmm. I do, and I do it every day, and I yeah. get paid for it. And yeah, it's like Mark Ruffalo. Have you ever seen at his like when he does stuff for the Avengers or whatever? He's always so amazed that he's here and who he's with. Yeah, like he's always yep. taking pictures. There's all these memes that are like, please, someone tell him that he also is as famous as the person <laughs> he's taking a picture of. Yeah, and I, I, I've met Mark once or twice. Uh, he's a good friend of uh, Tim McNeil because they went through Stella mm-hmm. together. So I, I he was doing some rehearsing at the Elephant for a while. Mark Ruffalo really is that nice. Yeah, he's, re- he's a sweetheart. Yeah. And uh, uh, something to look for. Um, you can go online. What's great about living today is you can go online and just on YouTube, Sanford Meisner's classes, yeah, right. yeah. Stella Adler's yeah. classes. And to watch Stella teach, it's so funny. There's some wonderful Well, videos, number yeah. one, a lot of times she'll have a glass of wine in one hand and a cigarette <laughs> in another. another. Can you imagine if I show up at Jody's place with a cigarette and a wine? And I'll go, you know, Adler did it. You guys would go nuts. Okay? But this one moment where Mark Ruffalo's in, in her class, and it's such a great moment. It's one of the best acting things I've, acting things I've ever learned. He's in her class, and she's making fun of him. Like, she's picking on him, and she goes... Where'd you get that wardrobe or something like that? And he's wearing a dress. They're doing Shakespeare that night. And he goes, and he's, he's got a shit-eating grin on his face. And he goes, I stole it. <laughs> Probably stole it from a girlfriend yeah. or something. And then, uh, and then she goes into the Shakespeare lesson. Somebody asks, like, when you're giving a soliloquy, who are you talking to? And she says this. She goes, you're talking to the you who is standing outside of you. <laughs> and at first I'm like... Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and then I tried it. Yeah. And then I just, I tried the Hamlet speech. Mm-hmm. To, to be or not to be. Mm-hmm. That is the question. Looking at me. I'm going to cry. Right? <laughs> oh doesn't oh it, God. doesn't that just yeah. unlock yeah. something? Yes. So when I hear something from one of the oh. big ones, I try it. Yeah. And then if it doesn't work for me, then I go back to the drawing board. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, and, and I always tell uh, people when I'm teaching, I go, don't. Uh, treat anything I say as dogma mm-hmm. and don't guru worship. Right. Okay? Anything I'm going to tell you is going to be shot through my prism of experience. That was prism, not prison. <laughs> it's a whole <laughs> different <laughs> podcast that uh, will need at least three hours. <laughs> you might need a shower after it. <laughs> but I teach you how to make a shiv. Oh so, like, don't guru worship. Yeah. Like, like, mm-hmm. like uh, it's not the be all end all. It's just that. What I'm teaching you is a damn good idea. Mm-hmm. The, but the other thing that I, I like about how I teach is I always justify what I'm teaching you. Or I tell the class, if you ever feel like I haven't just make me justify it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, make me give you the reason why I'm giving this to you. Right. Mm-hmm. Just like I can't stand in classes where you might have a teacher that goes, oh, that was really good. Wasn't that good class? And then the actor feels like, I was great. And then yeah. they drive home later going, way yeah <laughs> why was i right there? right so i always like to give the why that didn't work or why uh that did work or another thing i pride myself on as a teacher is i, I found that sometimes teachers are reluctant to give the actual solution mm-hmm. they dance around they go eh, maybe this maybe that rather than hey why don't you try this i bet it will work out this way mm-hmm. right and then when you and like i've done the crying lesson with you Camille, yes. right yes and it's it just like i i just i said just trust me. Just listen to what I'm going to say. I'm going to hold my hand up, and, 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 and <laughs> seconds later, you're going to be crying. Yeah. Sure. And yeah. right before you guys arrived, I did it with the the girl that just yeah. left. You know. Yeah. She um, was crying. Yeah, she was. Yeah. She was, yeah. She was, yeah. She was, she was crying. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
And by the way, for those out there, uh, uh, if you want to learn how to cry, you look me up. Yeah, we're going to yes. let you plug it at the end for yeah. sure. Yeah, so a final question for right now. What is the best way to contact you as a casting director? Headshots, postcards, email online, or drop-off? Okay, so um, uh, best way to contact me, I love Instagram. I wasn't mm -hmm. the biggest fan of social media, and I think Instagram really got it right. So uh, you can always find me on Instagram. Uh, Do you know what your handle is? Do you yeah, want to it's it? Chris Game Casts. Chris Game Casts. And um, you can email me at cgcastingassistant at gmail.com. I see it too, but it's best <laughs> to go filter that way. Um, they can send me stuff. Um, uh, the only time to do it, it, I'm one of those casting directors that I jump around offices. Mm -hmm. Some uh, casting directors are always in one office. Right. For a while, I was always in one office, and now it's I go to the needs of, like, if they're in Burbank, I go to Burbank, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Um, so I don't really have a location to always drop off. Um, you said earlier, too, there, you had a story about drop-offs? Yeah. Uh, 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 let me give the address they can mail it to. Uh, 3628 South Sentinella Avenue, uh, LA 90066. You can uh, send me stuff. Uh, drop-offs. Um, I always say when you when you drop do a drop-off, don't expect anything. Mm -hmm. Don't expect anything, but when you do a drop-off, you make sure you go camera ready. Mm -hmm. This is yeah. not something you do in your sweats with your dripping ice cream cone. <laughs> yeah. um, don't expect anything, but I got to tell you, man, over the years, this has happened enough times to remark on it. Where I'm busy, I'm in the middle of casting, and somebody goes, walks in and goes, oh, I've got a drop-off. And I'll go, wait, wait, uh, are you available to come in right now? Wow. So... Mm -hmm. It doesn't happen most of the time, but if it is on that day where you actually fit our project, I've done that a number of times. In fact, there was a famous story. I used to have a business partner named Jed. We were Chris and Jed casting for years, and I miss him dearly. Mm -hmm. uh, but anyways, um, we uh, one time we were doing this job, and it was casting so many roles for it was like Dodge, Jeep, and Eagle. And I went to a bar named Bergen's that's not there anymore. <laughs> and um, I saw somebody across the bar, a Hispanic kid. And I just walked up to him. I go, I don't know if you're an actor, but uh, if you are, would you like to come in for an audition tomorrow? Of course he was an actor. I'm yeah. in Los Angeles. <laughs> if I throw a stone, I'm going to yeah. hit an actor. So of course he was. And for weeks, my whole crew made fun of me like, oh, are you going to find any more boys in bars, Chris? <laughs> and he booked the job. Did he? Uh, and, and it just means that... Our radar is always up mm -hmm. when we are specifically looking for something. Right. You know right, what I mean? Right. Right. Hold on. Let me see that. Now, Chris, in closing, mm -hmm. um, we know that you are an amazing coach, mm -hmm. teacher. Um, could you let people know where they can come and take class with you, coach with you? Meet you. Absolutely. So I have a free class this Saturday. Uh, it's 11.30 to 1 at uh, the Lounge Theater, which is on Santa Monica Boulevard at El Centro. And are on Santa Monica Boulevard. It's a free class. And at, I don't know what the other douchebags do. <laughs> but this douchebag douche here is, is going to teach you as much as humanly possible. In my free classes, you actually learn something. Mm -hmm. It is not a sell job. Uh, once you're there, I'll tell you about other classes. I teach two scene study classes, one on Wednesday night, one on Thursday night. I teach a class called How to Book Everything, which takes you through the one-liner, the under-five, the co-star, the guest-star, the recurring character, the series regular. 
Um, it's fantastic. I, it I've is taken fantastic. it. Yeah, it's, it. good. it's good. It's good stuff. I know your boyfriend took it and went on a holy yeah. terror of booking. That's true. true. Which, if you guys have been listening, you <laughs> might remember our very t- first test episode with Garrett yeah. Schwackhauser. Yeah. That is the uh, gentleman that he's referring to. Yeah. And then I teach a, a comedy class intermittently. I teach a writing class, how to write a short film or a one-person show. Um, and I teach a commercial class. And where can people find out more information about those classes? Uh, we always post on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Uh, and best to respond to me back on Instagram, whether mm-hmm. you found it on Facebook or not. I just uh, slower for me to find that. Um, and then if they're if they just want to ask questions, they can text me at three one zero nine six two seven one two three. Okay, how many casting people give you their number? I right? know you're wild. Right. Right. He said text. He yeah. said text. Yeah. 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 I'm always in session. So <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank, you. thank you. Thank you, Kristen. And don't forget to share and subscribe for more great content.